kind of, sort of. Okay, so we're going to, this is what Sean saw, and was it a dream or a vision? And so, I did too. we're going to see how this works. It may take us figuring out how to work it, but so far we like it. <laughs> and apparently this chair right up here is the shofar player's chair Let's all stand. Now that you figured out which chair, you, oh, right. <laughs> Woo. we're already seeing things happen because the chairs got moved. <laughs> We just need to make sure it's not the same situation as, you know, that old Ray Stevens song when the squirrel went berserk. <laughs> uh, don't look, Martha. <laughs> Father, thank you. Thank you for good friends and family. And that we find each other hilarious. <laughs> and that we don't get shook when our pews get turned around. So, Lord, we just come before you this morning with grateful hearts, thanking you for all you have done, all you are doing, and all that you're going to do in us, in this place. We ask that your presence be here, that you would meet with us, 
And that when we leave here today, we would know you better. King would welcome me. I was lost, but he brought me in. Oh, his love for me. Oh, his love for me. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I
There's a table that you prepared for me In the presence of my enemies It's your body and your blood you shed for me This is how I fight my This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how. I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded. 
surrounded by you
accepted in the beloved I know you are pleased with me no sin to bind and no chains to shackle Lord you have set me free and you set me free I am accepted in the beloved the past has no hold on me not because of what I've done but because of your great mercy
By your cross I've been redeemed You have set me free
know in part. We see in part. This morning we know in part. We got part of it done. So we'll see if we can do the rest of it. crashed and burned yesterday. I woke up this morning at 12.30 in my chair not knowing where I was at or where I'd been. I'm telling you. Strange morning. But I have the assurance and hope that I will know that I will see in in fullness the things of God. I was just reminded My daughter was sharing some stuff yesterday with us, and things that she had seen and in the presence of God, in the spirit realm. And as she shared that, I, I heard this scripture. And it's Romans. No, it's First Corinthians thirteen twelve. I think I think I'll read we have time to read, I think, this morning. In verse 1, if I speak in tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Everybody raise your hand on that one. Keep no record of wrongs. <laughs> Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. 
Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the way of childhood behind me. For now we only we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. I think for most of my adult life, I've misunderstood that scripture. When it's talking about a child, I see a little child. Instead of a immature adult. I, I am immature. When it, when it says that we will, I've, I'm a child, it's not talking about in stature. It's talking about in our way of thinking. When it's talking about full grown, it's not talking about Somebody as big as Sean, but it's talking about somebody who has been in the presence of God and allowed God to come and and uh, work something in them. And uh, God wants to work something in us. He wants us to be full-grown man. A full-grown man, one who is complete. One who can come into the presence of Almighty God. One who can converse with Him and see things and know things. And I'm convinced that the knowledge, and I've said this before recently, but but that the knowledge of God is the knowledge that we need to see the end times come. Not the knowledge of man. Uh, I can remember in, in the last 30 years, we said, well, the computer's going to bring, bring that in, into balance. But it didn't. It has not. Yes, the computer is knowledgeable. And yes, AI is going to take over and be smarter than any man ever. Maybe, except for maybe Solomon. Because Solomon had the good pleasure of going into the presence of God. (laughs) The only way 
you have the knowledge of God is to be in His presence. To know, to be. And in Ephesians, chapter three, there, along about verse nine, it talks about the only way to know God is by or by or through the Holy Spirit. Without Holy Spirit revealing Him to us, we won't know the length, width, depth, depth, height. We won't know those things. We need Holy Spirit. Fully What, was this, what did it say? I've forgotten the last part of that. Fully grown. Is that what it says? Even as I'm fully known. So, we are... I catch myself thinking... And when I look around, a lot of times I see people and they think worldly. They think that you're going to, the flesh man is going to see God. And that is not true. But we think that. It gets in our psyche. It's like something there that just shows up that we're going to, walk into the presence of God in this fleshly body. And we're not going to do that. It ain't going there. No. So I've set us up to hear from you now. Don't look at me. Do not look at me. I'm not looking at you. Now everybody's looking at you. Darn it, Sean! Why'd you change the chair? We were looking at you before, we were just doing it behind your back. Fully known. Think about that. How God sees you is fully known. As I am fully known. Who who knows me that way? Only God. God, and we don't see ourselves there. not true. God fully knows us. When He sees you, He sees you fully known. Not through a glass dimly. Fully. I know you. In the 
fullness of who you are. We laughed. I've told this story before. Some of you have heard it. Some of you haven't. Years ago, a good friend of mine got called out on a rig to fix a forklift, big forklift. So I went with him. He said, you go with me and help me. And I said, okay. It wouldn't run, so we were on a mechanic on it. We get out there, they, and they give us a key to get in the gate. It's a, one of those that you have to, there's no key to it. What do you call them? Combination lock. So we had the lock number. We went out. We fixed the deal. We're coming back. There's a big sign, huge sign that's been put up. It's on Moe's Watts land out east of Hartshorn. And uh, it says no guns and blah, blah, blah. Well, this is back when everybody still carried a gun in their back glass. You had gun racks and you had a 22 and 30-30 maybe or shotgun in the wet back window. And you just did. Everybody did. And uh, we look up and in the mirror long ways back there, somebody just flying. I mean, they're coming down the dirt road, got the dust boiling. and He realizes he has a gun. And so whoever's after us has been spot, spotting us, looking at us through binoculars or something, you know, and they're chasing us down. And we get to this gate, and I unlocked it, and I just locked it back when he pulled through. And this truck's coming, you know, instead of waiting, I just locked it back, got in the truck, and I said, take off, let's go. We made it all the way to the highway. We got there, and this guy comes sliding up beside us, past us, and jumps out. He comes over, and he says, he's, <laughs> he says, who, who, who are you? And... I'm in the passenger seat. I'm just along for the ride. My buddy's sitting there. He's he's going, kind of biting his lip. And, and I reached across and I pushed him back. And I, who are you? <laughs> this guy liked to fall down, you know. He's really scared now. Can I go to your mouth? <laughs> He's really scared now. So when God wants us to know that, who are you? Who are you? He said, I will make you fully known. You're fully aware of who you are in my presence. I, I will do that. Amen. Praise God. He knows who we are. Don't have to ask, who are you, Ronnie Smith? You're more, you're more than what you think. You're more than what you think. We can't even imagine it in our minds because it's common. But, in the presence of God. 
we can begin to know who we are. He wants us to come into His presence and be fully known, full growed. <laughs> Amen. We got. I got a couple of things rattling around my brain, so I'm going to try and see if they're all supposed to go together or not. Um, when I was uh, a younger man, I was about uh, 22, 23 years old. I was working all kinds of jobs trying to make ends meet. and. And uh, one of those jobs was for a friend of mine. That lived, he actually had a business right across from our lumberyard. Dad and I had a lumberyard, and, and we were running the lumberyard. And on weekends, I'd take two- or three-day trips, and I'd pick up U-Hauls. And so you'd get a big GH, and you'd put a TC inside the GH, and you'd put a trailer inside the TC, and then you'd haul another GH behind, and you would just have a, this, this. Sometimes I'd bring back, you know, four trailers and three units, and... And you just tow and you'd go, right? And you'd go 48 hours or 24 hours without sleep because you just haul these things in between these cities, dropping them off, picking them up, and then taking them back to his place. And on one trip, we'd gone 72 hours and I had not slept. And uh, we were trying to do it because he had a bunch of moves coming up and we were trying to help him out. And on top of that, on Monday, his family, his wife, they were all going down to a big furniture conference. And so he needed his credit card back by Monday. So we were really hauling to get, get it done. We ended up getting about uh, two hours away from home, and I couldn't go any further. I was done. And uh, there was a young guy driving with me, and I said, uh, I'm going to pull over because we picked him up about halfway through. So he only had been driving for about 24 hours. And, and uh, I said, I'm done. Take the credit card back to Rick. Tell him I'll be in tomorrow. I've got the code for the lock on the gate. I'll just let him, you know, lock him up when I get there and drive home. And, uh, of course, this is before cell phones. They were still in a suitcase back then, so you couldn't just call anybody whenever you wanted. And, and uh, I pulled over on the side of the road went to sleep. I slept for 24 hours straight. I woke up Monday night, and I was like, whew, but I was refreshed. I mean, I was, yeah, where am I? Who am I, right? But I was refreshed. I was revived. I was fully alert, you know. Um, I got up. I looked at my watch, and I really didn't know what day it was. And, of course, no cell phones, so you can't really tell. So I go into the gas station. It's still open. And I wash my face and clean up, brush my teeth, come out, ask the attendant what day it is. He kind of looks at me funny. I said, I've been driving 72 hours and slept, I think, 24 and he said, I saw the truck over there. He said, yeah, it's, it's Monday. You're coming up on Tuesday pretty quick here. And I was like, okay. So it's late in the day. I start to go across. There's a highway runs right through the middle of town. There's a parking area on this side, and there's, the gas station is over here. And I'm coming out of the gas station. And I look down the road that way, and I look down the road this way, and there's nobody coming. Nobody. There's nobody coming. I'm wide awake. I'm not lethargic. I'm not, there's nobody coming. And I go to run out across the road and get into my truck. And from my forehead to my knees, this wing stops me. 
literally I can feel a wing stop me in mid-run. Like I'm, I'm like this, and it just, I stopped. And as I stopped, I turned my head, and there's a woman in a car. I can see her face to this day. She's coming by, and she goes, because I'm in midair, stopped. And right behind her little car was a semi-truck. I didn't see either one of them. I would have run right out. I would have gone over her car, and I would have gone under that semi, and it would have been over. And his wing just stopped me. Who am I? I'm a guy driving a truck trying to feed my family. I mean, I wish I could say I was sanctified, and I was listening to worship music all the way there and all the way to the back. I don't have any memory of that. I don't, you know, but God saw fit. Who am I? My daughter had life-threatening asthma when she was little, my middle daughter. To the point where we woke up one day and she came to me and she sat on my knee and she was having a hard time breathing and I was giving her her nebulizer and she looked at me at the age of five and said, Daddy, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to go home and be with Jesus. My heart broke. It absolutely broke. Two days after that, we got notification that a special guest was coming to speak. It was actually the wife of the gentleman who started the Victory Church. She was coming up to speak to us. So she got there, and Danielle was convinced she had to go to this meeting. And there was no child service. There was no any, but she was absolutely convinced she had to go to this meeting. She said, Daddy, I'm going to get healed. I was like, well, okay. So we took her. You know, she sat there quietly through the whole thing. What's that? I can't remember her name now. Sharon. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Doctor, yeah. And uh, it was a, remind me some other time I'll tell you a funny story about that service because it was awesome. But <laughs> um, she preached the whole service and Danielle was sitting at the back. There was a couple other kids there as well, um, you know, all sitting quietly. And, uh, but Danielle kept looking at me and saying, now, Daddy? Now, Daddy? Is it now, Daddy? And I was like, no. You know, just patting her on the knee. And, and Sharon said, there is somebody here. And she wasn't looking our way all night long. She never looked our way. There is somebody here, she said, who's waiting for healing. I don't pray for healing. I've never prayed for healing. She says, it's a fault of mine. But I don't pray for healing. But there's a child here. One of these children here needs desperately a healing. And my daughter went like this. Okay, let's go home. I'm done. Healed completely. She was allergic to 121 out of 130 things we had tested her for, and she had life-threatening allergies. We got her home. I fed her peanut butter. I fed her everything she was allergic to. We went outside. My ex was having a fit. I said, she's either healed or she's not. And she believes she is. So we're going we're gonna to prove a foundation here. We're going to... And to this day, Danielle has never had an allergy. She does not have asthma. She's in her 30s. She walks in perfect health. Who is she? Who is she? Mm-hmm. I think we're going to see somebody. 
song service, the preaching, you know, everything that went on. The most anointed thing in that whole service was when somebody uh, out of order had got up and give a big tone flashing. And she got up and explained everything. Was this Sharon? That's exactly what happened in that meeting to another gentleman. Exactly what happened in that meeting. There was three big things that happened in that meeting. My daughter's healing was one. That was the second one. My in-law, my mother-in-law gave a word, speaking in a tongue. Sharon got up, said exactly what you just said. And then we waited. And Rilla, my mother-in-law, had interpretation of the tongue. And the gentleman came forward afterwards. He was from Ethiopia. It was the third meeting he had been to. His name is Yamani Gebrasus, and I love Yamani to this day. Um, and he said to Rilla, how do you know my tongue? How do you know Eritrean? She says, I don't know Eritrean. What do you mean? You were speaking Eritrean. How do you know Eritrean? How do you praise God in Eritrean like that if you don't know my tongue? Wow. And that was when Sharon. Anyway, same thing. Good side note. Yeah. The the I got a I got a message this week and that's why I think this is imperative because it lines up with what Jack's saying. I'm going to read this to you. It's a little bit long. Please bear with me. Please bear with me. Thank you, wife. Wife's kind <laughs> of. Um, and some of you may have heard this story. I, I had heard it many many years ago, but it's entitled "Those Who Sow in Tears." In 1921, David and Sevilla Flood went. Uh, with their two-year-old son from Sweden to the heart of Africa, to what was then called the Belgian Congo. It's now the, uh, I think it's Congolese Republic now. Um, this missionary couple met up with the Ericsons, another young Scandinavian couple, and the four of them sought God for direction in those days of much devotion and sacrifice. They felt led uh, of the Lord to set out uh, from the main mission station and take the gospel to the village of Nadoloria in a remote area. This was a huge step of faith. They were, they were there, they, would rebuff, they were rebuffed by the chief who would not let them enter his town for fear of alienating their local gods. The two couples opted to build their own mud huts half a mile up the slope and then prayed for a spiritual breakthrough, but there was none. Their only contact with the villagers was a young boy who was allowed 
to sell them chickens and eggs twice a week. Savea Flood, a tiny woman of only 4 foot 8 inches tall, decided that if this was the only African she could talk to, she would try and lead the boy to Jesus. And she succeeded. Meanwhile, malaria struck one member of the little missionary band after another, and in time the Ericsons decided they had had enough of, of the suffering and left to return to the central mission station. David and Sevilla Flood remained to carry on alone. Then Sevilla found herself pregnant in the middle of the primitive wilderness. When the time came for her to give birth, the village chief softened enough to allow the midwife to help her. A little girl was born, who they named Anya. The delivery was exhausting. Sevilla Flood was already weak from bouts of malaria. The birthing process was a heavy blow to her stamina, and she died only 17 days after Anya was born. Something snapped inside of her husband, David. And at that moment, he dug a crude grave, buried his 27-year-old wife, then went back down the mountain with his children to the mission station, giving baby Anya to the Ericsons. He snarled, I'm going back to Sweden. I've lost my wife, and I obviously can't take care of this baby. God has ruined my life. With that, he headed for the port, rejecting not only his calling, but God himself. Within eight months, both Eric and Ericsons were stricken with a mysterious malady and died within days of each other. Baby Anya was then turned over to another American missionary family who changed her Swedish name to Aggie. Eventually, they took her back to the United States at the age of three. This family loved Aggie, afraid that if they tried to return to Africa, some legal obstacles might separate her from them. They decided to stay in their home country and switch from missionary work to pastoral ministry. And that's how Aggie grew up in South Dakota. As a young woman, she attended North Central Bible College in Minneapolis. There she met and married Dewey Hurst. Years passed. The Hursts enjoyed a fruitful ministry. Aggie gave birth to a daughter, then a son, and in time, her husband became president of the Christian College in the Seattle area. And Aggie was intrigued to find so much Scandinavian heritage there. One day, she found a Swedish religious magazine in her mailbox. She had no idea who sent it. And of course, she couldn't read the words. But as she turned the pages, a photo suddenly stopped her cold. There, in a primitive setting, was a grave with a white cross. And on the cross were the words, Savea Flood. Aggie got in her car and drove straight to the college faculty member whom she knew could translate the article. What does this article say, she said. The teacher started a summary and shared it with her. It's a story of missionaries who went to Neolia, Africa long ago. A baby was born, the young mother died. One little African boy was led to Jesus. Before that, after the whites had all left, the boy, all grown up, finally persuaded the chief to let him build a school in the village. He gradually won all the students of the village to Christ and then led their parents to Christ as well. Even the chief became a follower of Jesus. Today there are 600 believers in that village all because of the sacrifice of David and Sevilla Flood. Aggie was elated. For the Hearst's 25th wedding anniversary, the college presented them with a gift of a vacation to Sweden. Aggie sought out her birth father, David Flood, who is an old man now. He had remarried fathered four more children, and generally dissipated his life with alcohol as much as he could. She recently, he had recently suffered a stroke. Still bitter, he had one rule in his family, never mention the name of God to him. God took everything from me. After an emotional reunion with her half-brothers and half-sisters, Aggie brought up the subject of her longing to see her father, and they hesitated. You can talk to him, but he's very ill now, and you need to know one thing, that whatever you do, if he hears the name of God, he will fly into a rage. 
Aggie walked into the squalid apartment, which had liquor bottles strewn everywhere, and slowly approached her 73-year-old father laying in a rumpled bed. Papa, she said tentatively. He turned and began to cry. Anya, I never meant to give you away. It's all right, Papa, she said, taking him gently in her arms. God took good care of me. Her father instantly stiffened, and his tears stopped. God forgot all of us. Our lives have been ruined and made like this because of him. He turned his face back towards the wall. Aggie stroked his face and then continued undaunted. Papa, I've got a marvelous story to tell you. You didn't go to Africa in vain. Mama didn't die in vain. The little boy you won to the Lord grew up and won the entire village to Jesus. One seed you planted in his heart kept growing, and today there are 600 people serving the Lord because you were faithful to the call of God in your life. Papa, Jesus loves you, and he has never hated you or abandoned you. The old father turned back to look into his daughter's eyes. His body relaxed, and he slowly began to talk. By the end of that afternoon, he had come back to God and had been, that he had resented for so many years. Over the next few days, father and daughter enjoyed a warm moments together, and a few weeks after Aggie and her husband returned to America, David Flood died. And a few years later, Aggie and her husband were attending an evangelism conference in London, in England. When a report was given from Zaire, the former Belgian Congo, the superintendent of the National Church of Zaire, representing some 110,000 baptized believers, spoke eloquently of the gospel spread in his nation. Aggie could not help going to ask him afterward if she had ever heard, if he had ever heard of David and Savea Flood. Yes, ma'am, the madam replied in French, his words being translated into English. Savea Flood led me to Christ. I was the boy who brought food to your parents before you were born. In fact, to this day, your mother's grave and her memory are honored by all of us he embraced Aggie for a long time, sobbing. You must come to Zaire. Your mother is the most famous and honored person in our history. When Aggie and her husband went to Nodolia, they were welcomed by cheering throngs of villagers. Aggie even met the man who had been hired by her father to carry her down the mountain in a hammock cradle. The pastor escorted Aggie to see her mother's tomb, a white cross bearing her name. She knelt in the soil to pray and give thanks to God. Later that day in the church, the boy turned to the pastor and read, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it will produce many seeds. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. And I read that, and I couldn't help but think about us. We're just a little group of people. We have a bunch of empty seats, but God's giving us a vision for the future. He's saying the seats will be full. So much so you'll need to find another place because the seats will be full. And it'll be an expansion. And you'll have a group here and you'll have a group there and you'll have a group over here. And the seats will be full. We're called to something greater than who we are and we can't give up hope because we sit here with seven, eight of us. Right? We can't give up hope. We, we have to stand and know that there's a calling, there's a reason, there's a purpose. We only see in a mirror dimly. You know, a mirror back in the day was not what we have for mirrors now. A mirror was a polished piece of metal, and so it was obscured. Even the best mirrors were still obscured. 
now we see in mirrors pretty clearly, but that's not what a mirror was back in the day. And so we only see in a mirror dimly. But stand strong. Know that what this is, this moving of the chairs is just moving of the chairs. But what it does is it decentralizes our focus. I think that's what God was trying to do. He wants to decentralize our focus. I love Jack and Kay to pieces, but it's not about Jack and Kay. It's not about Rusty. It's not about Mike. It's not about you. Sorry. It might be about John, but it's not about you. (laughs) But it's not about any of us, right? It isn't. It's about the people that are coming that have a voice. There's a remnant that's been called. I sent a prophetic word that I won't read here today, but I sent a prophetic word to Kay that uh, a gentleman, David Hill, I think is his name, gave. And it was about the remnant, about the remnant church coming together and starting and that they're going to rise up and you can't stop them. You can't stop them. So it's, it's happening. Be encouraged. God is just awesome, Jack. That's, that's that's who He is. But like I said, He don't. You don't see the whole picture. He don't intend for you to do. I don't believe. But He shows you in part, constantly, as you grow, as He matures you to who he wants you to be in him. Not in this world. But he is so awesome. We had 13 kids out yesterday. 10 boys and 3 girls. I thought it was all going to be boys. No. No. You know, that's, that's the, and that's our God. When you think you got him figured out, you better think again. <laughs> I mean, that's just, that's what he does for us. But I am so thrilled to see what he is doing and what he has done. And I'm like Sean, I know that I know that I know this place will be full of the seed that has been planted. Not only from y'all, but from generation back he said he's promised you'll reap from the vineyards you didn't plant you'll drink from the wells you didn't dig and that's what God has got in store for us if if we allow him to shift us into what he wants us to be what he wears he wants us to go And don't think it's going to look like what you got in this little feeble mind because if I've learned anything, it ain't going to look like the picture that I build. It's going to look like his picture and his only. You know, you said earlier, this this junk ain't going there. And I've been reminded all the time that it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. And that's truly 
where he wants us to stay is in his spirit, walking in his will. But I just thank God for all he's doing. I thank God for the seed with seed planted. You know, I was sitting in the pool yesterday and And there was some, Bane was in the pool, the kids were all in the pool, Laura was in the pool, but God was just reminding me, you've got to get in. If you want some of him, you've got to get in in the water. But what amazed me, I was sitting there, and, and this little girl, I don't even really know the girl, I mean... Emerson is Goob and Edie's granddaughter. But she just starts picking at me. And I think, Lord, what are you doing? And that's what he was telling me. He said, she wants somebody to love on her. He said, just love on her. Acknowledge that she's in this water with you. So God is always putting something before us. But have we got our eyes open to see it? That's, I pray I do. I pray we all do. And watch them seeds grow. Whichever one of you, you can tell us about your job or whatever. You already told some of us. Yeah. I mean, I got, I got that. I got a praise report at least. So the job is good. i am been through my first week, had the best first day I've ever had. Got a half hour of comp time on my very first day. I was very happy about that. It was just a reminder that... Still got a short time. Yeah, I'm off at 4 o'clock. So, I mean, I had plenty of time to go do other things. (laughs) It was was a very good day, but it was was just a reminder that listening and understanding that you may have to walk through something that you really don't want to, to get to somewhere that's so much better. But if you don't, if you choose not to walk through it, it doesn't mean God's not going to bless you. It doesn't mean that you're still not going to get there. But what it does mean is, is you might not appreciate it as much. So I really appreciate what I've got right now. and It could be so much worse. And it's not. It's so much better. <laughs> so, and I, yeah, I start my day at 7.30. I'm done at 4. and Plenty of time to go and... I can get home and work on something. I can get home, mow the yard, and still work on something instead of just having to pick one thing. <laughs> so I'm really happy about that. And uh, I see lots of good things coming. But whatever they are, I know that it's because of God. It's not anything I've done. And I also know, like Ronnie was saying, you don't see the whole picture. 
I think part of that is, is if he showed you the whole picture, forget the forget if he shows you the whole picture, you don't have to have faith. If he shows you the whole picture, I don't think you can handle it. I, there ain't no way. You just, I mean, one flew over the cuckoo's nest, you'd be gone. That's all there is to it. Because he can't show you everything right then and there. But, it, yeah, if he shows you everything, you ain't got to have faith. And this whole journey is about believing him, not about believing what you see, not about believing what you want, but believing him. And so there you go. I guess I did have something. There you go. Um, God just brought to mind Friday night that we did get to go up to the family night at the youth camp, and there were like, I don't know, 400-plus kids of multiple churches. Like there that was, was the second group of 400 they'd had that week. Right, so they had the teens, the Saturday through Tuesday, and then the little seven-year-olds to 12-year-olds Wednesday through Saturday, and then we got to go up Friday night. Um, but, you know, the, the message that was very well given was just identity, right? Um, and that's First Corinthians is when completeness comes and I'm fully known, right? Like, it's us being very firmly rooted in who we are and having the eyes to see the Father, Jesus, and Holy Spirit, to be able to walk through whatever he wants us to walk through and whatever that looks like. Um, so, but that was, it was really good just, you know, he is our Father. And he has good for us. Oh, you were talking about all that stuff you're talking about. And <laughs> um, um, I've been thinking about what I saw with the, the angels that came in, the, the blue angels, and they had the long golden lanterns. And there was two two bigger ones that stood on either side of the door and then there were uh, shorter ones that were more our size that, that lined that side and that side and they just they stood there holding those golden lanterns and God had said that that was a uh, dispensation of wisdom that was being released and uh, you had mentioned something about just uh, knowing what's to come or, you know, end time things or whatever you want to call it. Just 
uh, walking in the spirit and being aware of what's happening now and what's going to be happening and how God wants you to operate in that. And I was just um, I was remembering uh, something that I had taught on once about a, a duality, a duality inside of us that. You know, we have a mind, will, and emotions of our own. Uh, but when you uh, you allow Holy Spirit to come in, uh, He has a mind, will, and emotions. He has the mind of God and the will and the will and emotions of God, and that in the same body, you uh, you choose which one you're going to use every day. You know, there are things that happen in our lives that we try to stay in the spirit, but sometimes just craziness happens in our lives. And it might be something for one day or it might be something that's gone on for months. And it can, without us knowing, shift us back into our own thinking and what we want. And this isn't fair and... Uh, I'm really ready to stand up and do something about this. And uh, God wants us to be aware of the duality inside of us and to shift back and to fully give yourself to the Holy Spirit and release your will, your mind, and your emotions. And vengeance belongs to God and to walk in love. And Sean have been talking about the spirit of Laban, this thing I'm dealing with in my life that has not been fun. And he said, you know, you can't defeat that yourself, and you can't defeat it by speaking words that are rational and true even because they will be twisted and not heard, and that has happened. And he said the only way you can defeat it is walking in the Holy Spirit. And just what I saw with the angels that had come in, the blue angels with the lanterns and that dispensation of wisdom, um, the days that I give myself to the Holy Spirit and I just open myself to him and I let him, his mind, his will, and his emotions flow through me, um, part of that anointing, uh, that comes from those angels is it's wisdom to know what is happening and what's about to happen and understanding and then how to maneuver through that in the will of God because God always gives you a way of escape and um, I don't know if that makes any sense but um, that's just what was rolling around in me this morning I just want to give God praise and glory and honor. It's, I want to tell about Hank, which is Kristen, my daughter-in-law's brother. And how gracious, how loving and our God is, how merciful he is. And I think we as men, and I know women also that are, God has to get our attention somehow. And that's how much he loved us. But Hank, 
is a big, strong man. He's, like I said, he done two or three tours overseas. He's been blowed up, laid up for over a year at one time, healing. The doctor's healing him. And then he comes down with this. You know, they, he went in for a hernia surgery and they, they ended up nicking his intestines somehow. And when they got in there to fix that, they also found out that they nicked his colon. So they got a stent put in his colon, but they never could fix his intestines. They, they couldn't find out where it was at. They didn't. Four doctors, four big-time doctors looked at him, him being in the service. Of course, he can get some of the best doctors there is. So, but Hank is at home. They never found that neck in his intestines. They never stopped it. But I believe it was last Thursday, it may have been Wednesday, Wednesday, he gets up out of the bed and goes to walking the floor doing what he wants to do. And I know God healed him. Even the doctors came in. He went home Friday. He went home and the doctor come in and told him, the, told the whole family, said, there's no explanation for this. Said, there's nothing... He said, ain't a thing in the world I can say. He said, all I can tell you, he said, somebody been praying. <laughs> Somebody's been praying, Jack. And I just thank God for his mercy, his grace, his love upon each and every one of us. That's how much he loves us. He, in the darkest hour, when you think it's over, when you think you've done all you can do, what does God say? Just stand. Just stand and know that I am God. I just thank you. I'm pretty sure that you hit upon the, uh, the very thing that God is doing. Rusty, we hear different parts, but we're going to hear more of this. Or people will come to us and say, hey, I need a job. Well, you need to believe God for a job. Uh, I need healing. I need, well, get healed. It's, this is what we're embarking on. I'm, it's, God's showing us What's going on? It's not not in the future. It's happening right now. It's something's happening. We're praying. We're seeing. We're believing. And that's just the thing God's doing. Amen. Seventy to eighty percent in my feet, in my back. Um, I, I haven't had the agonizing pain 
Um, the shooting pains in my feet have pretty much been alleviated during the day. It's only when I lay down at night and lay the wrong way and my back pinches uh, that I'll feel something. But so I know God is doing something in there. Um, and I want to thank him for it and just let you guys all know thank you for your prayers. Um, I could also use some prayer for my wrist. I have no idea what I did to it, but I've got an acute pain in my wrist. And it just, uh, I've asked the Lord to take it away. And obviously he wants others to be involved in it, so... Heavenly Father, we just come before you, and we know who you are. We know what you have said, Father. By your stripes, we are healed. We speak healing over Sean's whole entire body, Father, that his wrist, that this wrist would be made whole, all pain would be made gone in the name of Jesus, Father. You bore all our pain. You bore all our shame. You bore all our inequities. Lord, it's a done deal, and we thank you today that we are healed and whole through the blood of Jesus. We speak healing over Sean and everything within him, Father. We give you praise and glory and honor for it all. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Father, we just believe you for the healings, the jobs, and the better jobs, the raises and bonuses. We'd be, Father, we... Yes. Amen. John's got it up on the board. Gives us the power to make wealth and supplies all our needs according to his riches and glory. And we bless Israel and pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And as he blesses us, his way becomes known on the earth as salvation among all nations. Lord, we're believing you for jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, debts paid off and transfer of wealth, prosperous businesses, our vats filled with oil and our coffers with gold, expenses decreased, blessings increased, heavens opened, earth invaded, signs, wonders and miracles and angelic visitations. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we thank you for more than enough so we can give into your kingdom, co-labor with heaven, see Jesus get his full reward.